And at this time, we're going to dismiss our kids down to the Gospel Project and Kids Church. Amen. There they go. Good luck this morning. There is a crew down there. Ethan, Ethan's down there, right? He's got it. Ethan's got it. Amen. Isn't it good to sing together those worship songs this morning? I know it's encouraging for me. Um, I want to welcome you again to Renovation Church. We're glad that you're here. My name's Jeremy Callie. I'm one of the elders here and uh, excited to continue our series in Romans. We are getting to it. We're, uh, we've been in Romans for, I don't know, a couple years, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> uh, with some breaks here and there. But we are, now, uh, we are now in Romans chapter 13. Um, so if you could turn to Romans chapter 13, if you have your Bible, that would be great. If you got an app, go ahead and open it or take a look up on the screen. It's going to be there. And uh, as we jump right into the Word of God this morning, I'm going to first open us in prayer. So let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning for your Word. We thank you that it speaks to us, that it instructs us, that it rebukes us, that it in- encourages us. God, we just pray that you would open our hearts and and turn the lights on, that you would illuminate your word to us, that somehow these words would would speak directly to our soul and that you would change us, change me this morning. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to know you better. Help us to know how to live better as you instruct us through your word. Pray that I would get out of the way and that you would just speak to us this morning from your word. We're so grateful that you have given it to us and we worship you this morning not just in song, but in, in reading your word. Um, we worship you in that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14 this morning. Uh, let's read them together. Romans 13, 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord, amen? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God lasts forever. Amen? I find entertainment in looking at my family after they wake up in the morning. Anybody else? I just think it's hilarious. And looking at myself, really. Um, How many of you have been there? Like, you wake up, you look in the morning, or you see somebody get up in the morning, and it's just ridiculous. It's like, what happened to you last night. I mean, hair is, is everywhere. There's drool. There's stuff. It's just hilarious. Some of you this morning, right now as you sit here, look completely different than you did two hours ago. Am I right? Come on, let's be honest. Completely different. Like there is a whole routine that happens that makes what we're seeing right now here face to face as you sit in church. You wake up in the morning, you do things, right? You get up, 
you take care of the hair, hopefully you clean your clean, right? You wash yourself, you you brush your teeth, you you know, it's interesting. I spent <clears throat> a lot of time um, interviewing children in my last vocation as a I was a special victims prosecutor for for 12 years and I spent a lot of time interviewing kids. And one of the first things kids can do when they cognitively get to a place where they have what's called episodic memory, where they can kind of give you a list. And this is one of the cognitive cognitive things we test as we're interviewing children, particularly in those types of cases. Um, and one of the first things they can do is they can tell you what they do in the morning. I get up, I brush my teeth, I eat breakfast, I take a shower, I you know, get dressed, I get ready for school. And, and those, are, those are one of the first things. It's kind of like well-worn neurons in our brain. Like These are things that you just get up and you do. It's not a struggle. I get up and I do this. You just do it. Wake up, jump in the shower, brush my teeth, comb my hair, uh, put on deodorant, get, get dressed, do these things. Paul here really is speaking metaphorically to something that is so powerful in the context of what he's been saying in Romans. And I think we have to look at that. You know, the first words that we read in, in this passage in verse 11 is flowing right out of the last thought. So I think we have to address the context. He says in verse 11, besides this, you know the time. Besides what? Well, Mike preached on it last week if you were here. And really, it's beside a whole bunch of things. We're, we're, we're looking at the context of Romans where he spent the first several chapters explaining to us sin, explaining to us redemption and what Jesus has done. In chapter 3, talking about justification and the fact that we've been declared innocent. And, and now he's moving into a very, very practical um, portion of this letter where he's come out of theology and understanding of who God is and how we relate to him and salvation and what he's done from us, done for us. And now he's talking practically about, in light of that, in, in Romans 12, 1, um, in, in light of the mercy of God, I want you to live a particular way. And so we're moving into a very, very practical area of Romans as we're living in light of the gospel that was, that was illustrated in the first several chapters. And what Mike preached about last week was, was, listen, one of the implications of the gospel in our life as we begin to live this out as, as Christians is that you don't owe anybody anything. Don't owe a debt to anyone. The only debt you should owe to anybody is love. The only debt you have in light of the gospel, in light of Christ and what he's done for you and his redemption and his forgiveness of your sins. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you and he redeemed you and he's forgiven you. And he's saying, you, don't, you shouldn't be in a place where you owe a debt to anybody. The only thing you should owe people is love. That debt you owe to love one another. He talks about the fulfilling of the law, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself is, is really boiled down the essence of how to fulfill the law. These, these ten commandments that we saw, they didn't go away, but now we have an, an ability to fulfill them in the way that we love each other, right? Because if you, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet his wife. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to backbite and, and gossip about him. If you love your neighbor, you're going you're gonna to live in such a way that you fulfill the law in regards to your neighbor, amen? So you don't owe anybody anything except for this debt of love. That's what Paul's been saying. And now he goes on to verse 11. And he says, besides this, know the time in which you live. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. 
Paul's saying, I want you to recognize the time and let that provide a motivation for you to wake up in the way that you're living. Wake up, he's saying. We hear this now in kind of the new vernacular that people are woke, right? <laughs> You're groaning as I did. People are, this is really being woke. And there's nothing wrong with being woke to racial injustice and social, social justice, whatever. But, 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 but as that has been a term that's in the media all the time and that people are talking about, it really relates because the word of God, what Paul's saying, he's like, get woke to something. Wake up and live in light of being awake because you have been redeemed. You have been transformed. I've forgiven your sins. And now I want you to live in such a way that you're awake and not sleepwalking. Amen? That's what Paul's talking about. Besides this, know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Listen, the day is coming. The hour is coming. You know, I, every time I go to a funeral, you, you, you have a little perspective shift, don't you? Because we tend, our brains protect us. Our brains protect us. Our brains don't like to think about particular things. Your brain really is designed by God to protect you from harming uh, from getting hurt and from, from doing things that are uncomfortable and difficult. And a lot of times our brains protect us from thinking about things that, that, are, that are disturbing. And so well, a lot of times we, we spend a lot of our days, in essence, kind of sleepwalking. And there are moments of perspective shift, right? And many times we sit in, in a, or someone passes away or we go to a funeral and you begin to become aware and more readily aware of, of how short the time is, how fragile life is. Is that not true? As a prosecutor, spent a lot of time on, on death scenes or homicide scenes or, or different scenes, and, and you see the different ways that people pass away and different ways that people die, and, and I often would be standing there thinking, wow, life is fragile. Time is short. That's where Paul's getting at here. Know the time. Jesus is coming. You are closer to, you are closer to the culmination or the or the. the, the the not yet uh, already kind of aspect of you are saved, but salvation is coming. You are closer to the culmination of your salvation. When Jesus returns, the day is nearer now than it was the day you were woken up and redeemed. Amen? The day is coming closer. So live in such a way that you understand the time. And this really is Paul providing some, some initiative, some motivation for us to live in a particular way. Because it's easy to not do it. Paul's saying, wake up. Time's getting closer. He says, know the time. The day's at hand. You know, the day is at hand. Just a little while ago, we were living in the dense darkness of our ignorance. And now we've been woken up through the grace and the work of Jesus Christ. And so live as one who is not still living in the dense darkness of ignorance as, as we used to, but now live in the light as someone who's been awakened. And so Paul's using this metaphor of night and day. I think it's interesting. He speaks of the things that happen in the night and the things that happen in the day. And he talks about the way that we get dressed. This is the metaphor he's using to illustrate to us what we need to do and how we should live. He speaks of the reality that at nighttime, uh, there was the 
the things of the flesh or the things of evil that we're to cast off. People living in drunkenness and in sexual immorality and in jealousy and in quarreling. And he's saying, I want you to cast those things off and I want you to live as if it's daytime. Don't continue to live as someone who's asleep and doing the things of night. But now that you've been woken up and redeemed and Christ has come into your life, I want you to live as if you're a child of the day. So you need to get up and you need to get dressed the right way. You need to take off your night clothes, the things you used to do. You need to cast off the clothes and the way that you looked while you were sleeping. And now you need to get dressed in a particular way because it's daytime and you now see the time in which you live. Amen? That's what he's talking about. Wow. What a challenge to me as I, as I contemplate this. Living in light of the gospel, knowing the time in which I live. And getting dressed the right way. So many decisions I make. So many little things I do. Perspective that I have. When I wake up. When I go about my life. That still seem as though I'm living in stupor and in sleep. Does anyone else feel that way? As I contemplate what Christ has done for me. And the reality of my everyday. I realize sometimes I'm just sleepwalking. Sometimes I'm just living as if I still have my nightclothes on. Sometimes I'm just living as if I'm still in this darkness, living in the nighttime and not living in the light of the day that Jesus has awoken me to. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, today is the day that I'm going to destroy my life, right? Really what happens for us, think about this with me. Let's get very practical because Paul's being very practical here. Here's what, here's what really happens to us. There's a million little decisions we make every day. And some of us, we make these little decisions, make these little decisions, make these, all of us make these decisions every single day. And eventually, we find ourselves in a place over here where we wake up and we go, how in the world did I get here? And how, the, how do I get back there? How did I get over here? And it's, it's really the sum total of a whole bunch of little things we did day after day after day after day in the way that we were thinking and the way that we were living and in the perspective in which our lives were, were happening and decisions we were making that, that, that over time we end up in this place over here. And we think, how do we get here? What happened? I, you know, last night I was, I was watching the NCAA championships for wrestling, which is the greatest sporting event in the world. <coughs> Sorry. In my perspective. We talk about uh, sporting achievements, Penn State wrestling, one of the greatest sporting achievements. They've won eight out of the last nine national championships. But anyway, so <clears throat> I'm watching the 133-pound wrestling finals, which 133 pounds this year has been crazy. This guy lost to this guy who beat this guy. There was really no clear, like, this is the guy who's going to win it this year. Just a crazy season, a lot of phenomenal wrestlers at 133 pounds. And this guy, Nick Soriano from uh, Rutgers, Rutgers has never had a national champ. And Nick Soriano was in the mix, and he was in the finals against this phenom from Oklahoma State, Dayton Fix, and, and Fix was seated first, and Soriano was seated third. 
and Soriano gets to the finals, and I'm watching this match. He's got six seconds left, and he's down by one. Nick Soriano. He's on the bottom. If he gets away, he gets one point and ties it. Six seconds left. And I watched this guy explode out. Like, just literally rock his, his back up against the other wrestler, rip his hands off within six seconds, and he does this phenomenal, like, like the core muscles. Like, <clears throat> he does this move that, that I would have fallen right on my back and just, oh, but he lifted himself away from this guy, turned around, and right before the buzzer rang, he tied the match, went into overtime, sudden death, took the guy down and won a national championship, first national championship for Rutgers. It was unbelievable. And, and, and I've actually kind of been a fan of this guy and watched him for a long time. You know, he gets off the mat, he's cheering, he's, he takes his singlet down, and the dude looks like, like he's getting interviewed, and I'm thinking, How, look at those abs, right? <laughs> like, there was, there was some serious, it looked like it was painted on, you know what I mean? Not a... Not an ounce of body fat. Like, and he was just, just talking about my teammates have been pushing me, my coach have been pushing me, I've been working, I've been working. And what I realized is that move that he did where he escaped with six seconds left, that didn't happen in that moment. That happened moment after moment after moment after moment of decisions and pull-ups and sit-ups and push-ups and working and working and working and working for years. So when he did that with six seconds left, it was a culmination of probably a million decisions he's made over the last several years that enabled him to do that. And he won a national championship. What a powerful reality. And as Christians, to quote Paul Washer, why would we think in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can just do whatever we want and live any way we want? Why would we think in light of what Jesus has done for us that we can just now turn around and continue to live in our night clothes and not need to respond with, with some sort of perspective, some sort of discipline, some sort of work, some sort of understanding of what it means to serve and walk in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul talks about often in the scriptures, he buffets his body, he lives like an athlete. He, he engages his life in such a way that he is, he's working and he's prepared and he's disciplined like an athlete. He talks about that athletic metaphor throughout his letters. And as Christians, we, in light of the gospel, Paul's saying, wake up. Wake up and cast off the things of darkness. Get your night clothes off. Stop living in a stupor like you're asleep. You have been woken up. Live like it's daytime and understand the time in which you live. Amen? How do we do this? How do we know the time? Are we waking up in, in light of the gospel as Christians and still living in our night clothes and, and dressing like we used to do in the days of ignorance? Or are we walking properly as in the daytime? 1 Thessalonians 5 really relates to this passage. It's one of the closest, almost exact uh, passages that, that is written like Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. If you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it helps give us insight to what Paul's talking about. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of, ho- of the hope of salvation. So what do we see here in Romans chapter 13? He says, he says, in the daytime, living in light of the daytime, I want you to put on the armor of light. And in 1 Thessalonians, he talks a little bit about that armor in a very similar way. So what does it mean to get dressed the right way? What does it mean to wake up and live as if it's daytime? To put on, uh, put on, what do we put on if we're not putting on our night clothes? How are we dressing? How are we preparing for, for the life to come? And he says, put on the armor of light. I want you to think of the reality of that word, armor. He's really talking about battle, is he not? He's not just saying put on a nice button-down shirt and some khakis. He's saying put on armor. Put on the armor of light. And so part of us knowing the time in which we live, knowing what it means to be woke, knowing what it means to be awake and living in the daytime now and not in the stupor of darkness, is we understand the reality that we're, we're, we're in a battle and we need to put on armor. If we're awakened to the realities of the gospel, Spurgeon talked about it as if we still live in the enemy's territory. And being awake to that is recognizing the battle, the daily battle of what it means to live awake to the realities of our time. Amen? So he says, put on the armor of light. I used to go on search warrants a lot when we do this particular investigations. And in 2008, we decided we were going to hammer um, people that were involved in, in child pornography. And so we did a lot of stings. We did a lot of stings, a lot of research, a lot of... Uh, recon, a lot of uh, investigations leading up to this, using computers and IP addresses, and we would come to the moment in a lot of these things where we were going to go hit the house. We were going to go uh, do the search warrant, and we were going to grab the guy and, and arrest him and do, do the interview. And I'll, I'll never forget going to those briefings as a prosecutor. I'm standing there in a suit and tie, but we're sitting at the briefings, and they're, they're talking about, here's the house, here's where he lives, here's the hours that he's home, here's when he's usually... Um, looking at the stuff that we're arresting him for. And there was a lot of work that went into it. And what I would notice standing there as we're getting briefed is that everybody was getting dressed, except me, which is weird. Um, everybody was getting dressed. My buddy Todd was putting on his, his uh, bulletproof vest. They were tactical gear they had. They had uh, their, their weapon. They had particular kinds of pants that would carry different things. They were... They had different uh, lights. They had different just aspects to the dress that they were preparing. And I actually jokingly at one point said, should I even be going? Because you guys are all wearing stuff. And, I, and I'm in a suit. And they were like, no, you stay in the car. <laughs> <clears throat> preparing. Getting dressed because they recognized what they were walking into. Getting prepared and getting dressed because they recognized the reality. They were awakened. They were aware of the possibilities, the scenarios, the things that could go wrong, what they needed, the equipment they had to have on them. You ever see an army ranger get dressed for war when he wakes up? There's things that he puts on. There's tactical gear. There's, there's, there's different equipment that they're assigned for particular purposes. And what Paul's saying is if you're awake to the realities of your time and you're awakened to the gospel and the realities of what Jesus has done for you, I want you to get up every morning and put on an armor of light and be prepared for what you're going to face. What is the armor that he's talking about? 
I mean, we're not, we're not carrying M4s, and, and, and we're not talking about bulletproof vests, but what is he talking about? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 gives us some insight. I want you to recognize, for those who are asleep, they're asleep at night, getting drunk. But since we belong to the day, let's be sober. Having put on what? The breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope of salvation. Really, Paul boils this down again to faith, hope, and love. He's just gotten done talking about owing nobody anything except for love. And now he's saying, you're awakened to the gospel. Wake up to the reality. Live as if you're in the day. And what I want you to do in light of the gospel is cast off the things of, the, of darkness. Cast off these, these lists of sin. He gives three examples, and they're just examples of drunkenness and sexual immorality and jealousy and quarreling. I want you to cast those things off, and I want you to put on the armor of light. I want you to engage in faith and hope and love. Amen? He finally says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you're putting on. Wake up, live as if it's daytime, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Wow, what does that mean? How do we do this? All right, how do we do this? How do we live as, as if it's day? How do we put on this armor of light? How do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? And make no provision for the flesh. What an incredible statement. Make no provision. It literally means no forethought. Give no forethought to the desires of the flesh. Make no provision for the desires of the flesh. How many of you understand what it means to do this? Come on, we all do. This, this thinking of things that generate the desires of the flesh. Can we just be candidly? You know, whether you're a husband who's come home and, and maybe in, in the midst of your marriage not finding the physical affection that you desire, you somehow make an excuse for and allow yourself to begin to contemplate and think about what it would be like to gain those affections from another. And so you hit the internet or you allow your mind to fantasize about these things, and you stir up the desires of the flesh and live as if even in your mind, if not physically, as if you're still asleep in ignorance. Live in the midst of sexual immorality in your mind because you're just allowing for forethought these desires that then stir up more desire, and eventually you may find yourself in a place one day where you wake up and say, how did I get here? How did my, er my marriage end up like this? Why is my life, why is my wife and my children now leaving me? How did I get over here? A decision after decision after decision after decision to put forethought and in, 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 in thinking and knowledge into desires of, of the flesh that stirred up something that over time led you to a place that you never thought you would ever go. And maybe someone's sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I've, uh, I've, I've given uh, into the desires of the flesh and, and put this forethought or this thinking into it and stirred it up, and I'm not over there yet. Listen, it's not far. Let 
Maybe as, as a wife, your husband's not showing you the affection or the love or the care or the attention. And you give in to the provisions of the flesh, the forethought, and the fantasy of what would that be like if he did this or he did that or we did this or he took me out or he... And, and the fantasy leads you to a place where you're stirring up the desires of the flesh. Maybe you're just lonely, bored, tired, discouraged, feeling hopeless. And you wake up, and instead of getting dressed the right way, you think, man, I, I got to deal with these emotions, with this boredom, with this loneliness, with this discouragement, with this feeling of rejection, and you've turned to too much drink, or you've turned to some sort of substance, and you think, just this time, I'm going to numb it a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drink too much, this, this time, I'm going I'm I'm to turn to this substance and hope to deal with this emotion and this difficulty and this discouragement and this loneliness, and this little decision after little decision after little decision, and all of a sudden, you find yourself over here. How did I get here? How did I get here where I can't put it down? How did I get here where I'm now addicted to something? How did I get here where where this is consuming my life and all it's doing is causing me to continue to live in a sleep and in a stupor where I'm not actually dealing with life and problems and issues, but I'm completely ignoring and distracted from it and and, and things are falling apart. Just going to, you know, ignore that bill because we don't, we don't know how to deal with it. I'm going to ignore my finances because we don't know how to steward this well. I'm going to ignore this and this and this and this and this and this. And then over time, a million different decisions, a thousand different decisions, and you wake up and the creditors are calling and there's a lien on the house and you don't know your credit cards are out of control and you're thinking about bankruptcy. You don't know what to do. How did I get here? Well, there was a million little decisions and ignoring and doing this and doing that, right? living in a stupor, choosing to be distracted in a sleep in in the darkness as opposed to casting that off and living in the light. Amen? So what's the answer? How do we get from knowing what to do and then doing it? Sometimes there's a massive gap, is there not? Between knowing what to do And then actually doing it. And Paul here provides the motivation. Paul here provides the perspective. I want you to get up and live as if you know what time you live in. Live as if Jesus is coming. Live as if if you realize that life is short. And what I've called you to do is not continue to sleepwalk through life until it's over. But what I've called you to do is wake up and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I got to think about to do that? Well, you got you to get into the word of God and stir your faith so that you begin to realize who God is and, and engage a, a trusting and a faith of him. What do I got to do to do that? You got to look at the beauty of Christ and the beauty of the gospel so that you begin to love him and your affections are drawn to him and you realize that Jesus is my greatest treasure, not that other thing I've been distracted in pursuing, and, and engage the love of Christ. What do you do? How do you do that? I'm going to hope in the truth and the reality and the anchor of the gospel. Amen? What does that look like? I mean, I wake up every morning and I check my Facebook, right? 
Sorry, Matt, I don't mean to mess this up. Wake up every morning in the well-worn neurological path in my brain. The habit I've formed is to wake up and get on the phone. And maybe you just got to stop and cast off the things of darkness and engage prayer. And do it. Do it. Well, well, I don't feel motivated. You're never going to feel motivated. You got to do the thing you don't want to do. Again and again and again and again and again until you form a habit. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like God's listening to me. Get up and pray anyway. Pray out loud. Talk to God out loud. I'm going to pray. I'm going to I'm going to read. I'm going to pray the word. I'm going to read a psalm. Start small. Just do the get an app and read the psalm of the day. Begin to gauge the the, the beauty of the scriptures and pray. I'm going to get up and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take a moment and in that moment I I'm going to I'm going to recognize that, that I'm prone to being distracted, and, and I'm just going to, instead of be living in a slumber and a sleep of Netflix, I'm going, to, I'm going to shut it off, and I'm going to do something that's going to stir my faith. I'm going to do something that's going to stir my love for Christ. I'm going to do something that engages my hope in the gospel, and I'm going to live as if I'm awake, and I recognize that the time is short. I'm going to come in here on a Sunday morning. I feel like sleeping in. I just kind of want a day to myself. I've been working hard all week. I just want a day to ourselves. You know what you really need? You need to walk in here and sing these words with a church. Lift your hands and your eyes and your heart towards Christ and say, The night is dark, but I'm not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need, his power is displayed. To this I hold. My shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley, he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. How often do I need to sing those words, standing with you, to remind myself, of, the, of what I'm holding on to that never moves. Yet we forsake the assembling of ourselves together so often. For what? For what? What, what am I doing better that is of more value on Sunday morning? Well, I just need some, well, you need some what? I need to be with the people of God, singing these words, hearing his word, having my perspective shifted so that I recognize the reality of the day and I stop living as if I'm asleep, so that I recognize the reality of who Christ is in me and what I can hold on to and what's going to get me through the week, amen? Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Get dressed. Wake up and get dressed. Stop hitting the snooze button in life. Stop living as if it's still nighttime in the darkness and you're just dreaming. If you're a believer and you've been awoken to the realities of the gospel of Jesus Christ, why are you spending your nights in the bar getting hammered with your friends still? Why are you spending your time 
distracted by entertainment, nonstop entertainment. How can I be entertained? How can I be entertained? How can I be entertained in this moment? Every moment I have, every downtime, every second I have free from a conversation, I'm in here. No, we're so asleep. And Paul's saying through the word, God is saying through his word, wake up and get dressed and realize the day in which you live and start living that way. And I, here I am yelling. I'm yelling at myself as much as I'm yelling. <laughs> because I don't do this the way I should. I don't want to wake up years from now and look back and go, oh, have I been asleep? And now it's too late because the hour has come. Am I going to, maybe God willing, be laying in a hospital bed looking around at my kids at the end and think, man, if I had just binged like three more Netflix shows. <laughs> if I had just gotten a little bit more cash. If I had just had some more opportunity to golf. If I had just, just been able to live someplace warm for a while. I don't know if any of those things are going to be in my mind. I want to live like I'm awake. I want to live like I, I had the red pill and not the blue one, right? Matrix, some of you guys are too young, some of you guys are too old. I don't know who, who I hit in that, in that <laughs> reference right there. <laughs> Is it in 20 years, it's the Matrix? Wow. <laughs> Listen, the, the reality of, of how practical this is, what it means to put on Christ, and this is something we can do together as a church. Let's get into his word together and stir our faith. Stir our affections for Christ together. Worship him together. Uh, help each other in our own personal disciplines to make those hundreds and thousands and millions of little decisions every day that begin to draw our affections towards Christ, to see him as our greatest treasure, and to live as if we know the day. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality that you provide. We thank you that you wake us up and that you've redeemed us that you've saved us, that you've forgiven us, and you desire that we live in light of that. Thank you for sharing with us what that means. Help us to strive and to work towards that. Not our salvation. You've accomplished that without our effort. You did it. And now we live in, in a state of worship to you because of it. And our striving is to glorify you more. Our striving is to live as if we know the day in which we live. Help us to know it more and more. Help us to understand the reality of how short the time is. Help us to put on Christ that we would stir our faith more, that we would love you and love each other more, that we would continue every day to focus on the hope of our salvation, the hope 
of what you've accomplished. Not a hope like I hope it happens, but biblical hope, a confident expectation that you do what you said you're going to do. We trust you. Help us to really live like we trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's stand.